All right, welcome to episode 74 of the At Bad Podcast presented by War Media, where we give you our thoughts on the latest Chicago baseball news, as well as take a trip around the league. I am Saul Rodriguez. Today, I'm joined by Gabriel Wilkins, who, of course, you can see on his podcast, The State of Gabe, available exclusively on Spotify. And Gabe, we're going to be joined by Miles shortly, uh, talk all things Cubs. But how you doing today, man? How you doing? I'm doing excellent, man. I can't complain. You know, it's fourth quarter of the year. I know everybody looking forward to the holiday season, but, you know, like I always say, no matter the weather, we got to put it together. So, you know, just just enjoying life. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that, that, that's true, man. I mean, it's like it's one of those things, too, is you got to take it, you know, now when it's a like holiday season, you know, you kind of don't want time to, you know, go by. It's like enjoy this November, enjoy December before we get to like the dog days, January, February. So it's like, man, you know, hopefully no snow, right? <laughs> oh my yeah please like anything like that. it's like one of those things like in, in december you want a little bit of a flurry and just to have like a little bit of a christmas spirit and then you get nothing obviously uh and then come january you get like you know six inches and i'm like jesus christ so you're a like, better man than me so i'm at the point in my life right now i'm <laughs> i'm 30 if, if i could go to the west coast for a christmas i sure as hell would do it because no snowflakes is for childhood days <laughs> I'm a child at heart, Gabe. I think that's probably uh, Hey, I respect you. <laughs> hey, somebody, hey, somebody got to keep the spirit alive. <laughs> for real. As, as far as I know, Santa Claus is still real. That's all I, That's all I, You know what I'm saying? Hey, like, I'm not going to mess it up for the kids. Now. <laughs> hey, I, I, hey when, when the kids around, hey, it's all it's all love. When the kids is gone, it's gone. It's grown yeah. folk time. <laughs> true, true. I, I agree with that, man. And I'll tell you one thing, though. Uh, uh, it de- definitely felt like Christmas morning when, uh, when you know, uh, it we heard that Craig Council is the new manager of the Chicago Cubs. And it was, I mean, literally probably the most shocked I've ever been um, when it comes to any type of Cubs news in the last decade or so. I mean, that's even bigger. To be honest, for me, it felt bigger than the Joe Madden move uh, just because it just came out of nowhere. And like Joe Madden, you kind of had a little bit of like, oh, maybe they should go for Joe Madden here, this and that. No, I think some people, some people during the season were like, oh, they should go out there and get Craig Council. And I was like, eh, I don't think it's going to happen. Like he's probably going to go somewhere else. And not to mention, I was like, David Ross still got one more deal, you know, all in that. So that, that was crazy to me, um, for sure. But we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. Um, first, we'll, we'll talk about the White Sox. You know, plenty of stuff happened all over the city of Chicago. I mean, it's just insane. Uh, just like hopefully we can fit this all in because, I mean, from Craig Council to, you know, just David Ross being fired. I mean, that's something we'll talk about. Uh, Marcus Stroman opting out. Jan Gomes, Kyle Hendricks, they're staying. Uh, the Gold Gloves. Um, the three gold gloves, one on the north side, uh, Luis Robert losing out to uh, Kevin Kiermeyer, uh, Tim Anderson opting out, Liam Hendricks, uh, Jason Benetti uh, leaving the, the Sox booth. Uh, so just plenty, plenty of stuff. All right. We're going to welcome in now Miles Porter, who's reporting from his job right now. I, 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 I said I said it last night. I was like, because Miles was like, hey, I could squeeze in, you know, during work. I'm like, he's not an MVP for nothing. Miles Porter's here. How we doing, Miles? <laughs> Hey, doing good, man. Busy day in Northwestern, and uh, man, I, I couldn't miss this one. We, we got we got some big stuff going on in the baseball community, man. So ready to get to it. Yeah, and and of course, I mean, I was telling you know, Gabe at the start, you know, with all the stuff going on in Chicago from Tim Anderson to Craig Council. I mean, it's just all like yeah. it's just it feels like the center of the baseball world right now because so much stuff is going on. Uh, but the one thing that we'll for sure start off with is, of course. Uh, Craig Council going to the Cubs on a five-year deal, $40 million uh, deal. That's the highest annual value uh, deal for a MLB manager 
in the history of the game, uh, which is crazy to me. And, you know, first I was, you know, and I said it, I w- it's probably the most surprised I've been. Um, but what were your initial thoughts, uh, Miles? Because I mean, you you called me. I, I was I was in the middle of something. I could not talk at the moment. But I was like, when I saw when I saw you call me, I saw my couple some friends text me as well. Like I got a, uh, a, a I literally just saw my friends text also. I said, "What a Cub upgrade!" And I was like, "What is going on?" And I looked at you know Twitter, and I was like, "Oh, okay, all right." Yeah. What 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 did you think, Miles? Off the bat. I mean, honestly. Very, very surprised. I didn't. At first, I wasn't sure if that move had actually happened or not. And this was yeah. one of those one of those impulse reports that came yeah. out. We've seen that in the past, where someone mm-hmm. is reporting something that is official yet or not true. Um, but w- once you know reality set in, and, and we see David Ross as the manager of the Cubs. I mean, being removed as a dismissed, as I should say, as a manager of the Cubs. Um, I I was surprised, and, and I never really looked at David Ross as like the long, long-term option. Mm. I always felt like 2024, there were still some things that he had approved a little bit as a manager, just just, just in terms of decision-making and, and, and whatever the case may be. And, and really, I thought that he did such a great job with the group of guys that he had and, and, and what he had to work with. Um, I was just shocked, and, and I'm super happy that, that Craig Consul is, is, you know, he, he's a club now, and all of my all of my Milwaukee teammates don't like the move. <laughs> the, the majority of them are not happy about it. Um, so I, I think it's great. It shows that the Cubs are really serious and they're really going for it now. Yeah, I mean, it, it, and I didn't even mention this. Just the fact that, you know, they get, you know, one of the top managers in the game uh, is also one of the main things. I mean, it's just – it's crazy to me. It's yeah. crazier to me just the fact that, you know, what type of manager he is. Now, that's what is crazier to me compared to like him coming from Milwaukee. Like I'm like that it's still it's it, it, coming from a rival. I think it's hilarious. Um, and how mad they are is crazy. Is just also funny to me because they were even like, they put on his, uh, or they vandalized like his, like, like the, 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 the um, the baseball field, oh, like, like the, the park, right? Yeah. The, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, the baseball the field, field yeah. like in, in, in like, it literally, they just spray painted the word ass on front, like in front of his name, like, like what that's lame. i'm just like oh, oh my god <laughs> like it just they're that mad dude and they're like i I send people take out um signed jerseys at craig console like take it off the wall they i've seen you know just it, it's just it's crazy and then also just the fact that like um the uh the milwaukee brass was saying you know that you know they correct we didn't lose craig console craig console lost us and like all this stuff that was coming out and like the like literally as soon as he got uh, or that was announced. Um, but Gabe, you from the other side of town, man, what, what were your thoughts on this? Because this is something, like I said, it shook the baseball world. It also is going to set a precedent when it comes to uh, manager contracts. Uh, like what, what, what were your thoughts overall on this, on this, uh, on this crazy swap? Man, it was, that was a, you, we're going to talk about a gangster move. That was a gangster move. Um, when you, when you are playing backdoor, while you have a manager try and, and you know he was interviewing with the Cleveland Guardians and New York Mets it was no report out there that the Chicago Cubs were interested in the services of Craig Council nothing at all nothing and then all of a sudden Rosenthal comes out saying well Craig Council is going to take a job but it's not going to be with the Guardians or the Mets and it, it won't be with the Brewers he's going to be going to uh, another team in the National League. Then that's what made your antennas perk up. Like, what's going on? 
And then when you see that the Cubs did it, um, you, you want to talk about a big move. That, that's a huge move for the Cubs organization. And I got to give kudos to Jed Hoyer for doing something not a lot of GMs do. He had a manager in-house and David Ross that worked with these young guys, helped develop them. But he saw that the way this season ended. And I think he saw how the old boss up above and Ricketts was reacting to everything after the series finale and season finale in Milwaukee in, at the first of October. It was like, hey, I got to do something. Now, my question is, you pay Craig Council top dollar to come in here. Craig Council did not just come in here to just help you get to the playoffs. He came here because it's a big market. You paid him top dollar. And guess what? Now it's time to pay some of these free agents on the market top dollar as well. Or maybe acquire a guy that's in a situation via trade, such as a Juan Soto or Pete Alonzo. I think this is the first of many big moves for the Chicago Cubs. And one thing I get the Cubs credit for that a lot of organizations in the city aren't doing right now is they're acting like a big market franchise. Mm -hmm. And they've seen themselves go from a team that was in a state of a flux after letting go of Rizzo, Baez, and Chris Bryant, to now they got some young pieces to play with. And after getting Dansby Swanson and like, Hey, they feel like they could take that next step up in the NL Central that we know is going to be for, up for grabs. Yeah. And I mean, and as you mentioned too, with the whole, uh, it being announced that he was going to take over a team and they said, right. They said he was going to be taking over a team that had a manager already. And a lot of people were thinking maybe it was like the Yankees or maybe it was, you know, uh, yeah. Yeah, some, somebody like that, but it, yeah, it's just the way it unraveled. I've never seen anything like it, especially because nowadays, like, so many leaks and all this stuff like the fact that there was no leaks on this is crazy to me mind-boggling that just makes that's you think how that, it's like, supposed to be exactly, exactly that's how it's supposed to be man and, 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 and i gotta give him credit for that uh, yeah and and the fact and just like i think that's one of the things that you know some people were saying like maybe there was like over the phone like maybe they did it you know they met somewhere you know a neutral setting that you know nobody would have thought like they did you know whatever um so yeah it, it's crazy and i think that's what gets me more excited is just the fact that like you know, they're what this means for the offseason. And even, I know Jed Hoyer is always the type of dude who kind of like wants to, wants to like, you know, uh, kind of like calm down the fan base because uh, I feel like at the deadline, he was like, hey, we're, you know, just because, you know, we're winning games doesn't mean we're going to like, you know, trade everybody, this and that. And then this, you know, right just in the last couple of days when this happened, he said, you know, just because they did this doesn't mean they're going to have a big offseason. And I'm like, damn, Jed, like, let me just enjoy this, man. Like, <laughs> no, like he i'm playing, like he's he playing chess <laughs> I, I know I yeah y'all uh, gonna have you gotta have a big offseason I, I agree one, i agree it's just one of those things where it's like bro it's out of the bag already like you can't yeah. you can't really play a coin no more you're like, going you for know, it to say you're going for it it's exactly. fine yeah. that's okay to <laughs> you, say. you brought in somebody from your yeah. own division who is a manager of the year finalist mm -hmm. and the manager of a team where he has six winning seasons if i'm correct in Milwaukee, mm -hmm. and, and they're the reigning division champions. Like, you bought a man from within your own division to Clark and Addison. No, you're not playing coy <laughs> or just playing to stand pat at this time. Like, it's it's time to win. And, and yeah. club fans need to continue to keep that pressure on him and let him know that because, hey, when you make big boy moves, people expect big boy results. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and exactly. And I think 
you know, uh, and the flip side of things, obviously David Ross was let go. Right. And I think that was one of the things that kind of like, you know, people were saying the Cubs were bearing the lead here because uh, some of some of the stuff that was coming out, you know, just Craig Council, Craig Council, which, which rightfully so. Right. Like, you know, he's he's the big story here. But, you know, I kind of felt it was one of those things where, like, regardless of how you felt about David Ross, still kind of felt a little bad for him just because of how, well, how much he means to this uh, this uh, this organization. Uh, you know, you could tell he loved the job of being a manager for the Cubs and you could tell that he, he really did try his best, but unfortunately it didn't work out this year. And I think, you know, a, a, as you mentioned with Tom uh, Ricketts, you know, Ron Coomer said on 670 to score the other day talking about how like they hadn't seen uh, Ricketts this, uh, like in the last series of the season against the Brewers, they hadn't seen him that, you know, basically that ticked off really. And and mm-hmm. I think that kind of is one of the other things too, which you're right, uh, Gabe, that, you know, Jed obviously uh, was a big part of this whole thing, but, you know, Tom Ricketts as well, it's got to give him credit too. Like these guys teamed up to to get this guy, but with the, with the whole David Ross, just kind of want to give this guy a sign off because it's like you know, a send off because, um, you know what, like I said, what he means to the organization and what he did for the Cubs and, uh, and much people, you know, we, and we talked about it all season long, man. We're like, how do you feel about, you know, David Ross moved this time, you know, David Ross this, and a lot of people didn't like it, you know, play, you know, plenty of times, uh, you know, and, and I understand, I understand where, you know, even I had some times where I was like, man, was that the right decision? Or could we have done that? But he was still growing as a manager. I think that's what a lot of people didn't realize or didn't think about it is like, yeah. he's only, he was only, he's only, this is his first managerial job. He went straight from the game to this and he would, you know, so it's, it's, I think it was a little overblown the 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 hate for it and it's like every every I swear every time the Cubs lost this year I promise you almost every single time the Cubs lost this year the the replies on on on, on Twitter was always fire Ross it was always there was always at least five or six fire Rosses every single time so uh, those people got their wish unfortunately uh, the way that it happened I felt like was kind of a little grim but it is like as as Gabe, back to what Gabe said as well. Uh, baseball is a cold business, and that definitely it is. But but I, is. I gotta say this though, you know it's gonna be real funny. How much y'all want to bet? So if David Ross don't get a another managerial job with the near future, you might see him doing analyst work on Marquee. Oh that oh yeah, <laughs> and, and he's, he he can that still seems play to be that trend he, with every he, former yeah. player. He, he still yeah. <laughs> hey, he still can play that that twenty sixteen World Series card. You know I'm part yep. of that team. You know you gotta mm-hmm. look out for me. You yeah, so they're they gonna look out yeah. for David Ross, man. David Ross gonna keep a check coming one way or another from the good people on Clark and Addison. Please believe it. Yeah, join Dexter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and not not to mention, like he has he really has no reason to take a job next year. He's still under contract. No. He's still gonna get paid by the Cubs, so he really has no need to take like a managerial job next year. They gonna like take this, care of him. exactly. It's not like this dude's like seven. Ross, like, relax, bro. Yeah. You did your job. If I'm you, I'm. Right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, go ahead and do that post game show, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly, uh-huh. exactly. So, uh, well, Miles, what are your thoughts on on the whole David Ross letting go and just some some memories with David Ross? Like, how do you feel about him? Uh, you know, not being the Cubs manager anymore. Um, I mean, you know, I, th- I think good points are made in terms of this. He was so growing as a manager, and, and even though I I had my critiques for him, I, I thought that he was such a great fit for kind of the development of this ball club in terms of where we were at since we parted ways with a lot of, you know, players that we became accustomed to. Uh, and, you know, he was, he was a part of us growing, you know, fond of new players on this ball club that we all, we all love to watch as Cubs fans. And just, uh, you know, I, I, I think, I think he did the best that he could. 
I don't think he did a horrible job. Um, if he was a Cubs manager for another year, I would not be upset with it at all. I was very, I was pretty satisfied with David Ross. Sorry, small moves here and there. Yeah, it's you know, like 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 you said, it's a cold business, man. And and Cubs made a they made a business decision. I, I I truly believe this is nothing personal. I think we can all agree on that. Um, it's hard to compete against with someone like Craig Console, who is who is as seasoned as as, as he is. Uh, and so I understand Jed's point, saying when an opportunity like that comes along, he can't exactly pass on it. Unfortunately, it came at the expense of David Ross. But I mean, I have nothing nothing but great things to say about about Greco Rossi, and I'm hoping to see him. Kind of like what Gabe said. I think it'd be cool to see him as like an analyst because mm-hmm. I think I think he did that a little bit with ESPN. I think the year after the World Series, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, I remember him and Jason Hayward were playing catch. Mm-hmm. That was mm-hmm. awesome. That was that was that was one of my favorite moments, just in terms of this post World Series era. So um, I'm wishing all the best to David Ross, and, and I'm hoping he's still involved to, to some sort of extent. And hey, man, we're getting paid. <laughs> you deserve it. You deserve yeah. it, Rossi. You're good. This is. I'm. I can understand if he maybe felt a little bit blindsided. At least, at least take that. And I have nothing but great things to say. Yeah, and, and not to mention, like you know, with David Ross and you know, like Jed Hoyer, you know, at least had the respect to, uh, you know, enough respect for him to go to Florida and go to talk to him and, and you know say it to his face, which I thought was great because. You know, who knows how all these things unfold and, and all that. And like, I wouldn't be surprised if some managers gotten fired over Zoom or something, which it is what it is, is you know, the new times we live in. But uh, I will say, I got to give credit to Jed Hoyer for going down to Florida and telling him face to face because, you know, uh, and, and he did say they did say the, the reports were that he was uh, pretty blindsided. He didn't see this coming whatsoever. So, uh, it, you know, it, which, you know, even though people were saying like, oh man, you know, that he was blindsided before the, the, before that was released. I'm thinking to myself, man, maybe there was, maybe there was some talks, maybe like, Hey, we'll like, you know, we'll see, we'll see where things are at. No, blah, 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 blah. No, but I guess they definitely did have no, they had no conversations like that whatsoever. And they just went for it. Uh, so so it's crazy. You, you, you gotta do the due diligence. If you're going to be that gangster, (laughs) man, (laughs) on his day off when he not even (laughs) looking at his phone, you can't. You wait, can't. Wait, was it on a Friday? Right. Yeah. You know. Uh, oh wait, 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 wait. Where you say when? You when fired they did him it? on his day off. I yeah. mean, I mean, it's the off was, season. Yeah, People for real. Chilling, he, he, man. he was. In, he, he was in Florida. He was in Florida in sandals, like, bro. My life is good. He, he was. He was. Good. He was in Florida in his sandals, probably you know, just drinking man, a martini or something. That's like. a cold way to get fired, man. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta come uh-huh. to me and break the news because I'm feeling. I mean, if you fire me for somebody that's well respect like Crick, okay, cool, I get it, but like, damn, yeah, that's, that's the that, way to lose your yeah. job, man. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll tell you that. You're right, and and there's already been like people talking about like, man, what if this guy, like, what if Ross goes to Milwaukee or he goes, you know, to to you know, this is and that. I'm like, I mean, hey, can you imagine the drama though if he went to Milwaukee, like the drama, like the 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 the, the like you know, like just. What everybody would be talking about, the you know, every time the Cubs and Brewers would play, even though they already do already. But regardless, yeah. um, the one thing I'll say about the Brewers is that they're already basically uh, saying that they're going to have a soft rebuild, like a little bit of a rebuild, um, which yeah. is uh, music to my ears. So, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll uh-huh. see what happens there. <laughs> I got <see>, to <laughs> see about that for because there's, there's some teams in the NL Central that might want to do some business with the White Sox. So 
Uh-huh. If they talk about a rebuild, that, that's going to have a lot of uh, Chicago baseball fans looking. Ooh, I mean, hey, Brandon Woodruff in a White Sox uniform or like, or, or uh, you know, there's plenty of guys in there. You see, I mean, in the minor league season too. I, yeah, it's funny. I take Gary Mitchell if they if Ooh. they want to give him up. Yeah, there, hey, there you go. So they, there's plenty <laughs> of guys there. So um, definitely, it, it's gonna be something to watch out for the Brewers in general this offseason, and and uh, definitely excited to see what Craig Council has for the Cubs next year. Another thing, uh, a couple other things with the Cubs we want to talk about is uh, just the fact that uh, some of the moves that happened. Uh, Mark, we didn't get to talk about Marcus Stroman opted out, uh, Jan Gomes and Kyle Hendricks. Um, uh, the Cubs, um, uh, gave them the, the club option. They, 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 you know, they, they did that and they're coming back. So, uh, it's one of those things with Marcus Stroman. I personally was surprised. I think a lot of people were surprised. Um, but just because, or just because it was one of those things that, uh, with the way his season ended, uh, with the numbers that he had towards the end of the season, a lot of people thought that it was, he was better off coming back and uh, pitching, you know, for, for a better contract next year. Um, but I think that it was one of those things too, where maybe keep his, him and his, him and his, uh, his, you know, his team thought that he did enough to, to garner a decent contract to say, Hey, that was all in injuries. Uh, he had a good first half. He was an all-star that he, he played enough uh, to, to play enough uh, good baseball to, you know, make a claim and say that he, he deserves a solid contract. I think that's the way that it probably went. Um, but I will say this opens up about 15 million, 15 to 20 million dollars for the Cubs to, you know, to give to another player, um, to give to another starter, you know, what, you know, so it, that's a positive in itself. That part is positive. I was, I was welcoming Stroman back. I know there's plenty of people that were like, they didn't, they didn't were like, they'd be fine if he left or whatever. I personally, for me, the more starters, the better. So I kind of wanted him to stay just because he was already familiar with the team, familiar with the catchers, familiar with Jan Gomes, whatever. So I was like, might as well come back, but it, it wasn't, wasn't meant to be, but um, glad that Jan Gomes is back. Glad that Kyle Hendricks is back. Cause again, uh, a guy like Jan Gomes can teach a guy like uh, Amaya so much. Uh, Kyle Hendricks is Kyle Hendricks. Why not? Um, and they have plenty of guys that are coming up in the system, like Kate Horton, uh, Jordan Wicks is a shot to be in the rotation next year. I saw Drew Smiley coming back. Um, it, it, some people were very happy with that move. But it's one of those things where it's like I don't blame him for the money and two uh, depth at the end of the day. Like if, if we have if, if you have injuries and you're starting Drew Smiley instead of some guy who has never pitched a game in the big leagues, I'm going to give it to Drew Smiley. Like, why not? You know, so uh, that's a guy that even he pitched well out of the bullpen. So that's another option as well. If you wanted to you know, play a long reliever mode, he shouldn't be pitching in the seventh or eighth inning, obviously. Uh, but he's a guy that uh, definitely could pitch long relief, long relief roles. Uh, but. Uh, Miles, uh, which one out of these stands out to you the most? And if not, you can talk about each one of them. But uh, anything that that stand out to you or, or that surprised you the most? Um, so I can't say I'm too surprised with, with any of these. And, and if you want to look at Strowman, uh, I, I think I think because of the tough half that he had uh, going to finish the season. Yeah, I, I couldn't say I was too surprised about that. And I also could have seen him coming back. But um, I think I think this is a good move on both sides in terms of just letting letting him walk. Um, you know, I think I think he's a great competitor when when he's confident, when he's healthy and his stuff is moving. He just knocks the zone and he's just hard to make solid contact off. Um, I, I think one of the things that kind of stood out to the Cubs where Strowman is not 
at his best, it, it can be some of the most, I don't want to say the worst, but it is, he, he can get hit pretty hard if, he, if his stuff is not moving well. Um, and I think we saw that this year. Uh, he caught a lot of barrels, especially in the month of September. Um, so we want to be missing missing barrels for the most part. Uh, and then when it comes to Jan Gomes, I mean, it, it, his leadership, you, you could tell he has such a great relationship with the pitchers. And, and, and you know, Amaya is probably learning so much from him. Hendricks, like you said, he's, he's Kyle Hendricks. And I just think he's this a great quality pitcher to have on your ball club and can do a lot in terms of having other pitchers look at him and take notes. So, you know, really, I like, I like where we're going. I think for the most part, uh, since Cubs fans looking at this ball club, I think we're in pretty good hands right now. It took us a while. We went through some very, you know, we went through some very tough times over the last few years, but I, I like where we are heading. Um, and I look forward to kind of seeing how they're adding uh, going forward. I really like Jan staying, staying with the Cubs uh, for sure, because I think he works well with the pitchers. And he hit his ass off this year. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was, he was one of the best uh, uh, clutch hitters in the Cubs, which is crazy. Like, late innings, like, this dude came through plenty of times. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, glad to have him back, and why not? Uh, Gabe, what were your thoughts on some of these guys that, you know, for example, Stroman opting out and, and bringing back guys like Kendricks, Gomes, um, and just smiling coming back? Like, those guys, obviously, a lot of those guys are death pieces. So, how, how, what were your thoughts on that and the Cubs moving forward? As far as Stroman opting out, I don't mind that because he's gambling on himself, which is obvious. But think about how much pitching is going to be at a premium this offseason. We're going to see this offseason who really wants to win in Major League Baseball and who doesn't based on the moves that they're willing to make, not only on the trading market, but when it comes to acquiring free agent pitchers. And even though Marcus Stroman didn't close out the year well, even though Marcus Stroman has some ups and downs along the way this season, in spite of some stellar starts that he had throughout the first half, like he could cash in with a team. So I can't fault Marcus Stroman for wanting to go on the market, knowing that pitching, especially starting pitching, is in high demand. As far as Jan Gomes, I understand that 100%. Believe it or not, Jan Gomes was the type of catcher that I had on my radar for the White Sox. You know, like like Miles alluded to, this is a guy that knows how to manage a pitching staff, one through five, as well as the bullpen. Amaya can learn a lot from him. And on top of that, we saw what he was able to do with the bat. Even when he was in Cleveland, he had a silver slugger season, if I, if I remember correctly. So, like, Jan Gomes has always been a steady presence. I, I don't mind him exercising that option. I was a little bit surprised by the Hendricks decision. But then again, he's a veteran. He's a guy that's one of the more longer tenor players on the ball club. So I understand. And when you have young arms that are soon to come up in your system, such as a K. Horton, a Ben Brown, a Jordan Wicks, who I do believe will crack the starting rotation this season based on the way he performed late last year when the, when the Cubs were in the thick of the wild card race. You know, it's cool to have veterans like that. So all in all, I'm not surprised. I'm just more so curious to see what are they going to do on the trading front as well as free agency, with some of the money that they have cleared up with the loss of Strowman, who decided to opt out and hit that market. Yeah, and it's one of those things where, you know, I mean, full, you know, offseason is in full swing at this point with so much going on. You you know, you got guys like, you know, Muncie, it's already signed, but we'll have plenty of time to talk about the possibilities, guys are coming, you know, coming in to replace and all that stuff. So 
Um, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be really fascinating to see what the Cubs do going moving forward because I mean we're nearing mid November, um, and a lot of the deals are gonna start happening soon, whether it be now or in December. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, the one thing I wanted to finish off with the Cubs is the Gold Gloves. Obviously, uh, you know we talked about it last episode, the nominees, and now we have the winners. Uh, Ian Happ won for left field. Dansby Swanson at shortstop, and Nico Horner at second base. So the Cubs got three Gold Glovers. I mean. It's awesome to see because with Nico and Dansby, um, I expect I definitely expected it because you know this these two guys that probably have the best middle infield in the in the big leagues when it comes to defense, um, and they you know and when it comes to Dansby had a solid uh, offensive season. Nico's getting better from that end. Obviously knocked in a, a good amount of runs, um, but happy to see. And I think you know me and Gabe talked about it before we came on. A little surprised Ian Happ won the, 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 you know, the gold glove for left field just because of, you know, his, you know, uh, his outs above average compared to everyone else. He wasn't ranked very high. And I'll just leave it at that. You can look him up. He wasn't ranked very high. Um, and, uh, you know, but it, as, you know, Gabe said, you know, you just build a reputation and he had some great plays this season that I think stood out to many people where he had a, he has a solid arm. So, uh, but Miles, what did you think about that? What did you think about just in general? The Cubs having three gold glovers um, in these years, uh, winners. Dude, it's 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 uh, it's awesome, and this this team was a really you know there, it was a real treat to watch this team defensively this year. And I think a lot of a lot of the defense from these guys kind of saved us in games where there was some games where this team was not hitting, and it was the defense that really kept us in ball games to back up some of their good pitching. Um, it's great, and one thing I noticed, and even I, I'm taking notes as, as I as I am, you know, playing my in my career. I love how, and and, and I, you know, I love your Gabe's take on this. Whenever you watch Dansby Swanson take a ground ball, there is so much calmness in how he goes about fielding it. It's just something I've never seen before. There's no panic. There's no panic at all. Every throw is just a smooth throw across the infield. Okay, cool. Hey, we got two down now. And it's just incredible to me. And I think it's that uh you know, kind of that poise that they that they have uh defensively. I think that's what makes them good is because they're confident in their ability. There's no reason to uh to freak out. I mean, and I've always loved the in left field and I've always said it since he moves from the infield. Um yeah, so I I couldn't be more happy with with, the, with these three guys uh getting the gold club and you know, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to them kind of adding off of that. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that that was one of the goals that the Cubs set out to is build a great defense, and I think they did that. You know, uh, you know, say Suzuki uh, played good defense. Obviously, Cody Bellinger played great defense. So, yeah, um, it's, it's cool. It's cool to see, and it's a very important part. And I think, I mean, we saw it in in, in the, some of the teams that went to the, to to the World Series with the with the, you know with the Diamondbacks and, and the Rangers. Obviously, Diamondbacks had a couple issues defensively at the end, but that's how it is. You know, get to the big part. Somebody's got to you know make a mistake, and it was the Diamondbacks mm-hmm. there. But even then, they had you know Christian Walker. So defense is very important there. Um, but uh, Gabe, we'll use this as a, a way to transition into the Sox stuff here. But with you, what did, what were your thoughts on Luis Robert? He missed out in the center field Gold Glove. Obviously, Kevin Kiermaier won. What were your thoughts on that? Obviously, that was a close race, but at the end of the day, you know, how did you feel about that? And and you think uh, Luis Robert deserved that? Uh, when when it comes to that one, I, I feel like Lou, Lou Rob got snubbed, but at the same time, one thing I, I've learned 
about sports when it comes to awards and it's no different no matter what sports you watch. When you play on a winning ball club or your team is in the thick of a division race, a wild card race, more eyes come on to you and what you do on a night-to-night basis. And I don't think that those eyes got a chance to really witness what Luis Robert Jr. did. And even if you look at the numbers and you compare them side by side to what Kevin Kiermaier did, Luis Robert Jr. has the advantage. I was personally of the belief that Julio Rodriguez was going to get the award award Mm. in center field. And if Julio would have gotten it, I wouldn't have had an issue with it. I don't have no issue with Kevin Kiermaier getting it, but it's just something that happens. I mean, if you Luis Robert Jr., you just got to use this as motivation. Um, you're not sweating it because you won one before as a rookie in 2020. You're not sweating it because you're a silver slugger finalist. You're not sweating it because you 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 could be possibly selected to be a member of one of the all MLB teams. So, and you are all star this season, and you made some historical feats and accomplishments. But you also using this as motivation in the back of your head, saying, "Hey, what can I do to turn my game up to go to another level in 2024?" on a White Sox team that not only needs me to be the face of this franchise, but needs me to help them return a top of the American League Central where you had a Minnesota Twins cutting payroll. You had a Cleveland Guardians wondering whether or not they should trade Shane Bieber or not and the like. So it, it's a lot to, to, to be had. But as far as with the Cubs, when you got a defense like they do with Swanson and Horner up the middle of the infield, as, as solid as they are, that's going to give you a chance, like Mal said, to win more ball games than not. We saw that with the Cleveland Guardians a year ago in the American League Central with three gold glove winners in their outfield. And in turn, they won a division title and they got within a game of the ALCS. So, hey, defense matters. And I think that's what guys on the south side, particularly in the front office, are looking at when they say we want guys that play faster and defense in the building so that we could give our pitchers a chance and our team a chance to win games. Yeah, 100%. I think that's, that's one of those things I think some some teams overlook. You know, there was a – I mean, you look at the the, the Phillies from a couple of years ago where they were just mashing and not really worrying about defense, which, to be fair, uh, they, you know, they made it to the World Series. Um, so, you know, it, it's one of those things where it's just, you know, whatever you can do better uh, and it just works out for you. But uh, I think in the long run, you see that defense for a team that doesn't have as much, you know, offense – does help out a lot. And I think uh, teams are finding that out. And I think that's good for the Cubs going forward. Um, but we do have to let go of miles here. Uh, I want to thank him for coming on uh, live from work. Uh, appreciate it, man. And uh, we'll catch you next week on another episode at Batman. Oh, we go, fellas. Looking forward to talk more baseball next week. You guys have a good one. All right. So mo- moving on uh, to a couple other White Sox stories and gave uh, the one thing that you remind me, obviously, like I put, I was putting this rundown extra late. It's been a long week, uh, just getting over a cold, but back into it. Tim Anderson is for sure one of the biggest stories in the city of Chicago. He opted out, or they they they, they declined his option. Sorry, right? Correct. Uh, they they declined mm-hmm. his option. They declined his uh, option. Gave him a million yeah. dollar buyout. So he's yeah. in the free agency market. Which I think, and me as a Cubs fan, I think I was personally surprised. And you can tell me how you felt for it. But I I felt I was surprised because. The, the whole, you know, they didn't trade him. They didn't, they, they kind of, you know, seemed like they wanted to uh, keep him for ne- like maybe the next trade deadline if, if he does well and whatever, um, or maybe just give him one more year on the South side. And very surprising they just declined his option. But I think it's sort of a statement for what kind of a Chris gets in the new regime kind of want to, you know, want to do with the whole, you know, thing going on with the whole new, um, 
the team that they have there. But you you tell me, how did you feel when you heard the news? And I know like this guy was the face of, you know, the White Sox for a while. So, you know, how did, how did this impact you and how did, you know, what did you think when you first heard this news? I was somewhat surprised that Chris Getz had the balls to make that decision, but I wasn't surprised that he did, if that makes sense. And the reason why I say that is because Tim Anderson, in spite of batting 300 or better in three out of his last four seasons, had a season last year that I know he would like to forget. And for the first time, I feel like all the off the field reports and the drama combined with his injuries that transpired out in Minnesota where he hurt his knee and had to miss an extensive period of time in April when the White Sox went on a 10-game losing streak. And that's basically where you can honestly say the 2023 season was lost when you look back at it and examine it with a full scope. I think all of that is what led us to where we are now. He tried to come back quick, wasn't able to recover. We know that Tim Anderson, when healthy, was one of the best in the business at driving the ball to right field. However, he's always had a low walk rate. You add that on top of the fact that he's had some injuries that have taken him out the lineup for an extended period of time over the last three years, and you look at the ball club's record with him in the lineup versus without him, even though it speaks in favor of him when you say, like, is the white size go T.A. goes, well, that was the case last year. And it was down for both sides. And you combine that with his inability at times to not be good on a defensive end is short. It causes you to have to make those tough decisions. Yeah, I know T.A. is a team player. I know it was a lot of BS narratives thrown at him. But T.A., in spite of being willing to move over to second base potentially, like you're banking on a lot for a 30-year-old player who game is very reliant on his athleticism to come back and have a bounce-back year for you in a contract year. Like, they, they can't afford – the White Sox can't afford, in my opinion, as much as I love Tim Anderson, they couldn't afford to give him $14 million and take that gamble. I know it puts a ton of pressure on Colson Montgomery on the minor league level to show and prove, but they can get a stopgap guy. However, I want to say this, though, when, when talking on Tim Anderson, man, um, he was the player that made me return to baseball as a fan. There was a time where I kind of lost track of the game a little bit, and my friends – were telling me about this young guy that was coming up in the White Sox farm system. And when I looked at him, it was kind of like the Elvis movie with Tom Hanks. I was like, oh, he's black. I got to follow this guy. Because those were the type of players that I grew up rooting for and admiring. And Tim was different than most of the clean-cut guys of the 90s, like the Frank Thomases and the Michael Jordans. He spoke his language. He played the game the way that I grew up playing the game and loving the way players played, you know, and you put all that together with his confidence, his charisma. Um, he's going to be sorely missed 
because he was the leader of the, of the ball club and he was really the face of the team and brought them back in the national prominence in a way that I hadn't seen since Frank Thomas in the 90s and was the face of a of the change the game marketing campaign that will forever stand the test of time with me as a White Sox fan. And I'm thankful for the, the season he gave us for the stalk off, you know, in the, in the field of dreams game to be a, a black man playing on a cornfield, which once upon a time, a lot of us couldn't play on, you know, I, I always be thankful for the TA in that regard. So thank you, TA. Um, it's a it, it was a pleasure to have you for the amount of years you were here. And if they able to do a reunion, that would be great. But if not, I understand because one thing about baseball, Saul, it's a cold business. And Tim Anderson's getting a dose of reality of that. But I, I know and believe that he'll be able to land on his feet. It's just that here, this I don't think this was the best situation, honestly. I think it, it, it had worn out his, his welcome and his stay. And for the fans, you know, that really rolled with T.A., I know they feeling this one. You know, I, I I hope for the fickle fans that was off and on with him that they realize that this is what happens when your team doesn't win. Yeah, you're right. I mean, the, the, you, you said it best. I mean, it's just the way baseball is. It's, it's a cold sport. I mean, it's it's a cold business. And I think, you know, for, for the amount of time he was here, I mean, he was beloved, even like it's one of those guys that like he, you know, as much as he talked to smack, like it was hard. to, It was honestly hard to hate as a Cubs fan. You can't dislike. I feel like you couldn't dislike Tim Anderson because he was good for the game. Uh, he's literally like, you know, a, a, you know, I say let the kids play type of thing. Like he was the, one of the leaders of that, um, you know, and, and it was cool to see him piss off people because, I mean, it's just regardless of how you thought of, you know, what you thought it was just like he just. Uh, going against the grain I love to see that and, and and you know some of his big moments and I mean this is a guy that from 20 from 2019 to 2021 he had an 844 OPS uh, in a 127 uh, weighted runs created plus so he put together a few really good seasons with the White Sox um, that you know not even talking about his off the field stuff because I mean he like obviously was a leader one of the team leaders and you know and all that so and, and, and as you mentioned too like I think it's just one of the directions the Sox are going in. I think that they see obviously Colson Montgomery being the, the guy to step up like either next season or, I mean, I, tr I, I think you probably will be, be there next season, whether it be mid season or whatever. I don't know. I don't know how you see it, but that's just like the, you know, one of the things that, cause I mean, they, that dude's playing so well, whether it be in the minors, every level he's playing great. And then also he just, I, he ju I just saw that he won the AFL MVP. Yes. he uh, did. So that dude rakes at every level. He looks like he's ready for the big league. So, um, it's one of those things that um, it is probably the Sox were like, maybe, you know, we'll give Colson a shot. Um, if not, you guys have plenty of guys that um, you guys can switch around and all that. And Tim Anderson, of course, will find a team uh, sooner rather than later. Cause I mean, this guy, you know, is, is, is obviously a guy that a lot of teams would like to have just because of his passion and also bounce back because I mean, he's 30 years old and we know how he can hit. You mentioned it. He's known as one of the best guys to hit to right field. I think teams are going to value that a lot. Um, and I think I bet I bet you he's going to go to the NL. I have a feeling that he's going to find like a team in the NL Central or something like the Pirates, some, something like that. Well, what do you think? It's a lot of places T.A. could go. <clears throat> you know, you, you talk about the National League. The Dodgers will be a perfect fit yep. for him. The mm -hmm. Atlanta Braves will be a perfect fit for him. And playing in a city like Atlanta, being a Southern kid like mm -hmm. Tim Anderson is, coming from Tuscaloosa, Alabama, you know, being close to home, I'm pretty sure he would love that. My only question is, when it comes to Tim Anderson, is what position is he going to play? Mm -hmm. Is he going to play shortstop? Is he going to play second base? I think long-term, if he wants to make big-time dollars and, and take a gamble on himself, 
he would he would take the ultimate gamble and he would switch positions to play mm-hmm. second base on a winning ball club and, and, and take a one-year deal somewhere within the ballpark of 10 to 12 million dollars. I think that's what it's gonna take for him in order to maximize his value on the free agency market come the following year in the winter months of 2024. That's that's what I believe will, will have to happen. In my opinion, this is the worst time for Tim Anderson to hit the free agency market because he's coming off of a down year. And the thing that's sad about this is a White Sox fan is if you had asked me two years ago, would the White Sox pick up his $14 million player option after the 2023 season? I'd have said that'd have been a no brainer because he had one of the biggest bargain contracts in all of the game. But when you combine the 101 loss season of 2023 with the fact that you need help at the catcher spot, second base, right field, you know, and you need three starting pitchers, might I add, at max. It's so many other needs that you have to address. And if you're taking a gamble on Tim Anderson to be the Tim Anderson of old and he doesn't do that, you do yourself a disservice if you're Chris Getz and you find yourself in no man's land, you saw the reports out there where they were trying to trade him before declining his $14 million option. They couldn't do it. They Mm -hmm. were trying to move him at the deadline and they couldn't do it. And that's why I was going to so many games at the time. So because I I saw this day coming, Mm -hmm. honestly, God, I, I saw it coming. I just didn't know it would be this soon. And I think it's unfortunate that it was because of the way that the team was constructed under the Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams administration. Yeah, that's, that's the way I saw it too. I was surprised that just like it, it was going to happen. I thought it was going to happen next year, uh, whether it be whether it be anything, man, whether it be he was having a tough year, DFA or whether a trade or something, right? Like I just expect something else next year, this year that, you know, to happen this quick uh, was really surprising. Uh, running short on time, but we'll get to as much as we can. Obviously with the offseason, we've got plenty of time to talk about each of these things uh, at length at some other time. But uh Gabe, another another thing that came out this week, especially at the GM meetings, was of course Chris Getz's comments, right? Talking about you know how he doesn't like this team and all that. Uh, what were your thoughts on that? And just in general, uh, the the obviously the new coaching staff was announced. You know, Marcus Timms is on, on there. Uh, plenty, plenty, plenty of guys that honestly that you look at if you've watched baseball for a long time, you recognize a lot of these guys that are on there. You kept a lot of guys like you know there's still guys on there. You know, Ethan Katz, obviously Pedro Griffith is going to um, stay there. Um, you know, they got, they added Matt Wise on there, Drew Butera, Grady Sizemore, former Cleveland uh, guardian. So what what were your thoughts overall? And just this last week for White Sox, uh, for the White Sox, just being, uh, uh, you know, talked about in the sense of like how Chris gets, is kind of speaking his mind, which I mean, we talked about it before we came on. Uh, it's great to hear from somebody like that because you got to tell how it is, right? Yeah, absolutely. But at the same time, I think a lot of White Sox fans, including myself, we kind of tired of hearing the talk. And we want to see the talk become action. And one thing I do like about the coaching staff is that for the fans that wanted to bitch and moan and gripe and complain about how Chris Guest is hiring number Royals guys, well, that wasn't the case. He brought in Marcus Thames, a guy that was a, a White Sox killer in Detroit, a guy that worked alongside of Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, and the like in New York as the hitting coach over there when they had some high-powered offenses and is a guy that's all about making sure that his hitters attack the strike zone. And when they find a pitch, they hit in that zone, 
that they do damage with it. I think there were far too many times where this team wouldn't pounce on pitches that were in the heart of the zone because they had a favorable count. And if he could get them to reverse that and increase the walk rate and get guys in the building being gets that are good in situational hitting environments, that's going to boost the profile of this club. And I think it's going to make the ball club a lot more competitive. As far as what Chris Guest said at the GM meetings about how he doesn't like the team, I mean, he's not alone in that assessment. But the million-dollar question is, is what is your vision for this club? You say you want to bring more speed to this club, guys that are good on a basis. You say you want to bring better situational hitters to this club. What's your vision? We're going to find that out. And I think fans need to be more patient in regards to allowing Chris Getz to show you what that is. And then once he shows you, we can seek to assess once the games in the first pitch, you know, opening day is thrown. So I'm just taking a wait and see approach. I'm not getting too high or low on Chris Guest's comments, but I do like the fact that he's seeking to build this club in his vision, the way that he sees it. And I also like the fact that he's bringing in former professionals who have played this game to serve not only in the front office, but in the clubhouse as coaches. Even if you look on the front office side with like guys like Gene Watson, he wasn't a minor league, but he was a college player. Like all these guys have backgrounds within the game of baseball. And I think that's a good thing. I'm not going to knock that. Doesn't mean because they have that, that they're going to be successful. But I think it helps because when you got young guys that are seeking to make their foot in the league or make their mark in the league, you need guys to pull them off to the side and be like, hey, young fella, let me show you how to do this. Let me show you how to do that. And stressing the importance of fundamentals, which makes a great ball club. Exactly. And, and yeah, I definitely, um, you know, it, those comments that you made, I mean, I, yeah, like you said, not a lot of people that don't agree with that, but it's like, you, you got to tell how it is. But as you said, you made a great point is that, you know, you're tired of hearing the talk and that's true. You got to go out there and do, do the things that you set out to do. And I think hopefully that this is a sign that he is going to do that because I mean, I feel like a lot of the things, for example, the, you know, the Tim Anderson moves that we talked about, like the Tim Anderson move, uh, regardless of like, how you feel about that move in general like it still says they're trying to do something a, a certain trying to go into a certain direction um you know so it we'll, we'll see what happens in that in that aspect and we'll see what he does but uh, also another thing too was the fact that uh, Lee, with the Liam Hendricks move obviously he's not going to come back next year how did you feel about that and were you surprised by it in general um I understand it you know it's a saying in sports like you can't make the club in the tub and he's recovering from Tommy John surgery, and he's not going to be able to pitch until late September of this upcoming season in 2024 if he's able, you know, to get back right in time enough. So I, I get that. And when you have several needs that you need to fulfill, you you can't afford to just be paying somebody to sit top dollar. So it would be nice if they were able to bring him back on a short-term deal, but if not – I just appreciate Liam Hendricks for everything that he brought to the ball club. I appreciate Liam Hendricks for his FU mentality. You know, when he was out there on the mound, man, and, and, and being that dog that he is and competitor that he is, pitching through pain when most guys wouldn't seek to pitch through it, trying to come back and overcoming, you know, non-Hoskins lymphoma to come back and try and help a team get back in the thick of, of things when things were looking bleak and dry for this ball club. So, I got nothing but love for Liam Hendricks and what he did, not only in a White Sox uniform, but for the community as well on the South side. 
and I and I wish them nothing but the best. But this is the end of an era of White Sox baseball, and it's time to move on to a new era. And hopefully that era is stressing a, a major importance on the aspect of winning, which is what fans most importantly want to see when they come to the ballpark on 35th and Shields. Yeah, and, and just to add on to that, I mean, when I was looking at, at Liam Hendricks' numbers, um, you know, you'd be surprised at some of these. I mean, he had the the he had his most career saves with one team with the White Sox, 76, um, more than he did have with the with the Oakland Athletics, which of course he got known for. Obviously, he was in a setup role for some of those years as well. Um, but he he did have 40 with them. Also, he had the best ERA. I know less seasons than in Oakland, but he did have a 276 ERA with the White Sox in those three seasons. Um, so that, that it's it's cool to see. And, and like as you said, what everything that he accomplished obviously more than just baseball. Um, and he's just a great personality for baseball in general. So whether he comes back to the Sox, that'd be, that'd be great. But if he goes somewhere else, obviously uh, we hope anything, you know, we hope for success for him um, in general. And uh, I think he'll, he'll find it somewhere for sure. Obviously, whenever he is able to pitch again. Um, so, and another thing too, that I wanted to talk to you about was of course, one of the bigger uh, news, uh, um, one of the bigger things to come out of Chicago sports um, in the last 24 hours, um, Jason Benetti, he's leaving the, the Sox booth. Um, he's going to Detroit. Um, I think um, that's probably one of the more surprising parts of the whole thing is that he's going to Detroit. Um, but how did you, how do you feel personally about this whole situation and how do you feel and, and, and how, what do you think about the Sox booth going forward? Who do you think um, is the guy who steps up? It's unfortunate. Um, Jason Bonetti was a, a hometown product, a guy that was a, a lifelong Sox fan and got a chance to achieve the dream that he wanted to, you know, reach when he was a kid. And that's be the play-by-play voice of Chicago White Sox. You know, he lived out a lot of people's dreams in the city and uh, he did it well, you know, and he overcame a lot to get to that point. And I, I respect that. But if it's one thing I know about the White Sox, man, we're going to keep some solid announcers in the building. You talk about a franchise that had Harry Carey before the Cubs did. You talk about a franchise that had Don Drysdale in the booth with Jimmy Pearsall or whatnot. Then you talk about we transitioned from that era to we had Hulk with my man Wimpy, Tom Pachoric. And then, you know, we we had we had Steve Stone. We had Ed Farmer calling games on the radio. Rest in peace to Ed Farmer, guy that went to my old high school, St. Rita. So, like, we, we've had a long line of, of, of solid play-by-play voices, be it on the radio or on television. Uh, I, I think we're going to be fine, man. I, and, and to me, that's not my major concern right now when it comes to the White Sox. But if it's anybody that I think could be a, a great heir apparent to what Jason Bonetti provided is Connor McKnight. You know, this is a guy that worked his way up, you know, from 670 to score days to being on ESPN 1000, hosting pre and post game shows. And, I, and he's called games on a part-time basis for the ball club. I really like what he might be able to provide. And he's a young voice. And I, I think that's really what these new age White Sox fans should want to have. And, and somebody that really know the game and, and know how to break down game and provide, you know, context to what you're seeing on the field, which to me, is the most important thing when you're a baseball fan. It's just it's just knowing the game. Exactly, and I think that that's that you're and you're right on that. For you know, I didn't think about that with with Connor McKnight and just the fact that you know younger voices and and you know just some of the stuff that we see with younger dudes in the in the, you know the booth. I mean, just uh, going off on that. I mean, look at Joe Davis and the success he's had uh, in the World Series. Um, I feel like Connor McKnight is definitely the type of dude that's cut from that same cloth as a guy like Joe Davis. Uh, that looks at both sides of the ball when it comes to uh, stats and uh, analytics and all that, uh, which is great to see, you know, I think um, a mixture, you know, I, I think 
that's one of the things that uh, you like to see in baseball is, is somebody who knows both sides of the ball and kind of have a respect for both sides of the ball. You can, you can like one more than the other, but I think, you know, we've seen plenty of, you know, people hate on one or the other, whether you hate analytics or you hate the old style part of the game, you know, it, they're both, whether you like it or not, it, both sides are part of baseball. So you kind of have to look at both and definitely respect guys that are on there and, I like a guy like uh, Connor McKnight that that definitely respects that. So um, it's going to be it, – it's, it's it definitely is something I'll keep an eye on just because, like, I've said this before, big in broadcasting. So, like, I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye out to see who the White Sox get there. Um, it, even if it's not Connor McKnight, I'm sure the White Sox will pick well because they have well, picked well. I mean, Jason Minetti is a guy that I wasn't familiar with before he came to the White Sox. He's a guy that's done a lot of national games, whether it be basketball, football, whatever. So – um, I think they have a good eye for that. I think, um, you know, that, that they'll, they'll definitely get somebody else that uh, fans will fall in love with just, just tonight, even if it's Connor McKnight, somebody you already know. Um, if he's there for a full season, I'm sure fans will, will definitely uh, come to like him. Um, and I want to say this too, like real quick, like we as White Sox fans, we got bigger shit to worry about y'all. <laughs> like, you you know what I'm saying? Like, man, we, we got a team, man, with, with no middle infield right now. We don't, we don't know as fans, who our catcher is going to be. We have not had a solid catcher since the days of A.J. Pierzynski. You know, I understand we mourning over Jason Bonetti and, and, and that we wish him well on, in his endeavors and whether he's calling games for the Detroit Tigers on the national level, we big ups to him. But we got so much bigger shit to worry about, man. Like, let, let's, let's find out ways to build a winner, you know, and all the complaining, I ain't with that. You know, you either with it or you against it. And I understand the frustration, but if you think we're going through it now, imagine what your grandfather was going through in 1970. You know what I'm saying? If you don't know, ask somebody, man. Like I'm, I'm, a, I love to be a historian of this and know the history of the teams I follow. And I don't follow a team in Chicago the way I do the White Sox, and I probably never will. So, I mean, I, I'm just excited and eager to see what's gonna happen over these next couple of months. You know, most importantly on the free agency front, the trade market that Chris gets and, and, and Josh Barfield and his team are cooking up. A hundred percent. You make a good point. I mean, it's one of those things where um, at the end of the day, the, the team, like, as you said, bigger fish to fry. So uh, definitely it was one of those things that um, is on the back burner and you'd be more worried about the middle infield than, uh, than who's in the booth. So uh, is, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, there's, I mean, there's definitely a lot of stuff uh, that we'll get into th throughout the off season. Um, wish this episode could be longer because, you know, but I uh, got stuff to do and, uh, you know, we'll talk more, but, you know, the all MLB nominees came out, the BBWA uh, awards came out, weren't able to get to that today, but we'll get to that in the next episode. Um, talk about all those, of course, um, Justin Steele, not included in the NL Cy Young, that's something we could talk about as well. Um, and as well as some of the Scott Boris comments, because obviously, you know, he's, he's talking belly, he's talking Pete Alonzo, um, all this stuff. So, uh, I want to thank Gabriel Wilkins for coming on with me. Of course, you can listen to his podcast, The State of Gave. Uh, I want to thank Miles Porter um, as well for coming on from live from work. Um, and if, and I do want to mention also with Gabe, uh, of course, he has a, a new article um, on Deion Sanders' uh, primetime uh, with SB Nation. So uh, definitely check that out. I'll link it in the description uh, for everyone else to read. Uh, so once again, Gabe, appreciate you coming on. And for everyone watching, appreciate you watching. Watch everything War Media. Uh, the Bears Den, of course, in our partnership with SportsZone as well. SportsZone Chicago uh, with Sean Sierra. Uh, thank you for watching, and we'll see everybody next week.